It's Thursday, January 31st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, we got a lot of news. Unfortunately, Jim Mueller is here to help us out. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thanks, Chris. Uh, we've got Microsoft, we've got Visa, and we're not going to get to those. Like this is one of the this is Earnings Palooza week. We have so many things going on. We will probably get to those two on Motley Fool Money this weekend. Uh, for our purposes today, we've got PayPal's latest results. We've got executives that are very much in the news. We're going to start with the social network. Facebook's fourth quarter revenue grew 30%. Profits came in higher than expected. Facebook shares up 12% this morning. That is the biggest gain for the stock post earnings in three years. Yeah. I guess my first question is. Are you surprised? Because based on the coverage I've seen, there are definitely people out there who are surprised because 2018, from a headline perspective, not a good year for Facebook. No, it was a terrible year for Facebook, and and they had been guiding more expenses because of all the all the scrutiny they've been under and everything else. But I think what's helping to drive the results uh, this time is that Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO, said, "Hey guys, we're kind of done with uh, all those. I mean, we're going to still have higher expenses than." In years past, but uh, we've got—I've got a quote here. We've made real progress in many of these areas about improving security, content governance, data privacy, that kind of stuff. That's what everyone's been worried about. And Zuckerberg said, "Quote: We've made real progress in many of these areas. We believe we built the most advanced systems in the world, and in many cases, more advanced than any other company or government." Well, that's bold. And, yeah, it is. It is, and and that. If I was worried about the Facebook's uh, privacy stuff, then yeah, those words would go a long way toward uh, relieving that such worry. But um, and and so now uh, paired with that, uh, they're saying, okay, we're going to start uh, paying more attention to building new uh, ways for people to use the site and and for us to uh, get more ways for advertisers to. Um, Get get into these things. For instance, uh, they have about seven million total advertisers across their entire system. Only about two million of them are advertising on Instagram Stories, and Stories is growing pretty ha- healthily. And so, one of the ways they're going to grow is to get more advertisers onto in- Instagram Stories. You mentioned the expenses, and it, I, I think that is something that really needs to be highlighted here in this regard. A year ago, we were. In this studio, um, talking about how Zuckerberg had come out and said, "Look, we're going to be investing. Um, we're going to be hiring people to focus on security." And we didn't know what the numbers were going to be, but we knew they were going to be higher. We knew expenses were going to be higher because he was very blatant about that, mm-hmm. um, very transparent about that. And now I think we've got a fourth quarter. Report where we can see for ourselves. Okay, these are what the expenses are, and they're still growing revenue, and they're still growing their profit. Oh yeah, they're still growing revenue, not as fast as they had been. Right. I mean, for the full year, they grew revenue by thirty-eight percent, but for fourth quarter, as you said, they only grew by thirty percent, which means it was growing faster earlier in the year. And actually, for every single quarter of of twenty eighteen, the revenue growth slowed down year over year as you went through the year. So. Um, and they're only guiding 24, 26% for uh, for the first quarter this year. Uh, so, yeah, the expenses are still a big deal. But we know where the expenses are going. I mean, they said they've grown their uh, 
uh, security employee base from 10,000 to 30,000 people over the past year, and that's quite a big improvement. They're spending a lot of time and effort doing that. But and so I think that uh, I think a lot of the enthusiasm in the market right now is, hey, it's working, and so this wasn't as bad as we thought it yeah. was going to be. But I still have a little bit of a worry in my back of my mind. I mean, Zuckerberg sounded certainly enthused. Hey, we've got the best in the world, better than governments even. We're we're hot stuff, right? And but in in, in contests or or battles like this, Facebook is always going to be on the defensive. Uh, they they got better AI at at identifying. A bad actor post, for instance, but those bad actors are not going to say, "Oh, darn, you got me! I'll go, I'll go find someplace else to do it." They're going to say, "No, how do I get around what they've got?" And they'll find a way, and then Facebook will react, and they'll find another way, and and so the offense here is always going to have an advantage. And I'm kind of worried that uh, Facebook might sit back on its laurels, saying, "Hey, we've got the best in the world," and not continue to fight the good fight, so to speak, and. We might, um, and if they do that, sit back. That is, if they do that, uh, we could very well see them in front of Congress or the uh, European Union again. Uh, also, uh, Facebook has to deal with Apple, um, <laughs> and I'm just going to read directly from a Wall Street Journal story. Uh, Apple banned a Facebook research app for breaking its rules around data collection in an escalating battle between the tech giants over user privacy. Apple said it revoked Facebook's permission to maintain a research app that had targeted teens and young adults, paying them $20 a month to suck up their data and track their activity across different apps and web browsers. The tech news site TechCrunch reported on the Facebook research program earlier this week. Um, this is just bizarre. It is a little bizarre, and it is, uh, it, it, it's a couple things. It's bizarre. It bears watching, yep. and this kind of flies a little bit in the face of what you were talking about in terms of Zuckerberg saying, "Hey, we're out there. We're you know we're being good actors." It's not that necessarily what they're doing here is illegal, but it's uh, certainly in the face of Apple. Apple has decided, oh, yeah. "No, you're you're violating our terms. We're we're not going to allow this app in our store, and we don't like what you're doing." And that was my very thought. I mean, we're. Facebook is saying, on the one hand, we're protecting users' data, and on the other hand, we're paying people to suck up that data. Yeah. And uh, Apple's saying, no, that violates our terms because you're using something that's meant for research out in the public uh, public sphere. Uh, one quote I like is, what, what are people using with the money they're being paid for? And one college student said, oh, I was buying uh, video games and Axe body wash. <laughs> so, sounds about right. Sounds about right. But um, it... It is, this isn't the first time Facebook has done something like this either, and they—they're—I guess everyone in this sphere, in this field, is desperate to get data in order to figure out what, for for example, what your opponents are doing. I mean, Facebook did this a very similar thing with Onavo uh, a while back, uh, another kind of data sucking app to figure out what people are doing, and they saw WhatsApp before they bought WhatsApp. They had noticed that people were using WhatsApp more and more and more and more, and the growth of that was skyrocketing, certainly faster than Facebook's own version of that, and that led to Facebook's decision to pay how much was it? Nineteen billion. Nineteen billion dollars for it several years ago, and now it's it's a it's a big growth thing for them, but they kind of cheated to figure that out. 
It's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out, and in particular because while Mark Zuckerberg is pretty reluctant to do media, uh, Tim Cook is not. <laughs> and I, I would not be surprised if uh, Cook were asked about this uh, the next round of interviews he did. And another point on this is that Facebook only said, "Okay, we're going to pull off this this app that this latest one that they got caught on after it had gotten out into the media." But Apple kind of trumped them and said, "No, we're kicking you out." Let's move on to PayPal. Shares down a bit this morning. Fourth quarter profits fell six percent. PayPal's expenses grew more this quarter than the revenue grew. I say, though, as a shareholder, I think there's still a lot to like. Oh, yeah. Um, with this company, I'm not going to get too worried about uh, varying amounts of revenue growth, as long as it's positive uh, and healthy. I, I focus with PayPal, I focus much more on two other numbers. This is the number of uh, active accounts and how that is growing, and the number of transactions per active account. And both of those grew quite nicely. Uh, they had a, a record number of additions, 13.8 net million net new ad ads to the active account, and all but 2.9 million of those were organic. And so that 11 some odd million uh, was the biggest amount of organic growth that they had ever seen, and and that's that's really good news. And not only are those people. Uh, more and more people are using it. They're using it more often. They've got. They're at 39.6. No, 36.9. I flipped the numbers there. 36.9 transactions per active account uh, per month on a trailing basis, and that's that's good. As long as they can keep on driving that, as long as they can keep on playing there, we're going to be the the mobile payment system of the world. We don't care who you are, where your money is coming from, what bank you're doing it with, what credit card or debit card you're doing it with. We want to be in that transaction. These guys are going to do fine, and the uh, the Venmo activity continues yeah. to rise. Oh, eighty percent uh, year over year on this one, and they're uh, finally being able to monetize it. Uh, they've got the Venmo debit card. Uh, they've got uh, uh, Pay with Venmo, I think it's called, where they use Venmo at a merchant, uh, and so they uh, they get a bit of a bit of that transaction as well. They've also got ten billion dollars in cash yeah. on the balance sheet. Yeah, yeah, I'm not worried. Uh, so, I mentioned we've got executives in the news this morning, and uh, I would ask the dozens of listeners to stick with me for a minute because th- these are noteworthy announcements, possibly for different reasons, though. Um, so, Tesla announced their fourth quarter results, and they also sort of threw in at the end there oh, by the way, the CFO is resigning. At the end of the conference call. It's not even in the earnings release. Uh, this is uh, Deepak Ahuja, who, uh, if that name is familiar to uh, Tesla shareholders out there, it's because this is the second time he's been CFO, and this is the second time he's resigned. <laughs> um, this is not to be confused with. Uh, last year, when not one but two chief accounting officers right. resigned, one of whom resigned after being on the job for a one month. month. Yep. Um, the other executive in the news is Bob Swan, uh, Robert Swan. I don't know him at all, so I don't necessarily know him well enough to call him Bob. Um, uh, interim CEO of Intel, who has just been named full-time. They've removed the interim label. The reason this is interesting is because the board of directors had been looking for a replacement, and Swan had been out doing interviews over the last couple of weeks, talking about how we're going to have a new CEO. And They appear to have locked in on a candidate, gotten far down the road, and couldn't close the deal for whatever reason. And so, Swan, 
who was the CFO at Intel uh, uh, last summer, um, Brian Krasanek, who was the CEO at Intel, resigned. So they make Swan the interim, and now he's got the job because apparently he was doing well enough. I find both the I don't own either of these <laughs> stocks, and I find both of these stories unsettling for for different reasons, definitely. So, a, a little personal history here. My first paid interaction with the Motley Fool before I became uh, an employee here was uh, paying for an online seminar called When to Sell, and it gave several red flags, half a dozen or so, on when you should really think about selling your stock. And one of those was sudden resignation in the C-suite. And if you look at Tesla, I did some little digging. Um, over the past four years, Tesla's had four different CEOs, CFOs. Actually, two of them were the same person, uh, Ahuja. Uh, he was there from 2008 to 2015, uh, from just before they went public to uh, 2015. Then Jason Wheeler took that job uh, for 14 months, uh, left in early 2017. And he announced uh, just bef just at that earn uh, just at the same earnings two years ago that, that Tesla just had just before the saying I'll be here until the 10K is filed and bye, and uh, then Ahuja came back from retirement to step in and he's been there for a couple of years now and now it's Zach Kirk Kirkhorn Kirkhorn. I think yeah. um, we'll just call him Zach. Zach, Mr. Uh, Mr. Zach <laughs> is stepping up from. Uh, he had a role in finance, but it's escaping me at the moment. But this is his first job as a chief financial officer. Yes, and he's uh, for such a big company. That's kind of scary. And not only that, the, the two chief accounting officers you mentioned, several other uh, high-level managers, the chief. Uh, or is it chief marketing officer and uh, human chief human resource officer? I mean that kind of turnover at such a high level. Either Musk is really hard to work for, or there's something going on. And as an investor, it really kind of makes me leery. Uh, yeah, as I said, it's it's unsettling because, it, as you just said, there there aren't a lot of reasons for this. Like yeah. if you're looking at what are the possible reasons for this type of revolving door in the C-suite at Tesla, there, yeah. the menu is not very large. In the case of Intel, uh, in the case of Intel, um, this may be easier to explain away. It's entirely possible that they got a candidate that they really liked, and then they got hung up on the negotiating, you know, on the details, that sort of thing. Still, if you're Swan, you got to feel a little bit like. You've been jerked around a little bit just because you've been out there giving interviews saying, hey, the board is mm -hmm. going to have a new CEO. We're excited about this, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, oh, well, th this person uh, didn't want to go to dinner with us. Do you want to go to dinner with us? Like, he's the, he's, <laughs> he's the clear second choice here. Well, that's curious. What's even curiouser is that uh, when I believe when he was first named C uh, interim CEO and in a meeting with, uh, Employees, he said, "I don't want the full-time job." <laughs> so, um, so, so, at least according to one report from somebody who was there at the meeting. But uh, and now he's now he has it, and he says, "I'm anxious to get going." Uh, but I'm I'm willing to cut Intel a bit more slack. They've had seven CEOs in 50 years. Okay, that's that's a pretty good record. Uh, and and until last, uh, it was last summer's uh, Kurzanik, who was basically forced to leave because of some improprietary uh, breaking one of Intel's internal rules. Um, 
they had had a very smooth set of transitions of those CEOs, mostly entirely, I believe, even uh, from the inside. And so now I'm between Tesla's CFO thing and Intel's CEO thing, I'm willing to cut uh, Intel uh, more slack than Tesla. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Robert Swan, you look at his career, he's been a chief financial officer at, among other places, General Electric and eBay. Mm -hmm. I mean, he is no slouch. Um, I am curious, though, just with this as a backdrop, as an analyst, where do uh, executives fall on your list of uh, how you're evaluating a company? When you're looking at a business and thinking to yourself, do I want to buy shares of this company? How soon into the process do you start looking at the leadership of the company? It's probably the second or third thing I look at. First thing I look at is the some of the financial statements, the cash flow statement, the balance sheet. Not so much the income statement, but I want to see how cash is flowing through the company and whether they're making it. Uh, and the balance sheet, how how stable the company is. And if I like that and I like what the company is doing and what it's possible to do, then I look at the management. Because I want a team that, one, knows what they're doing, and two, has been doing it for a while, or at least has relevant experience. I mean, naming a CFO to a longtime CFO to a CEO position, that's fine. Or a chief operating officer, that's fine. Um, but I think I think there's uh, this ties also into what is the board board doing because part of the board's governance, uh, uh, what they should have is some sort of uh, succession uh, plan. I mean, not only do CEOs get fired or they resign, but they die. I mean, there was uh, there was uh, who was it McDonald's uh, back in the day. Cantalupo, uh, back in 2004, yeah, died of a heart attack all of a sudden after being CEO of McDonald's for less than two years. But but they had a, a candidate, a, a person who was able to step up rather quickly. I uh, ran across another company, uh, Wilhelmsen, which is an international shipping company in Scandinavia. Uh, in, two, in 1989, they lost their the top two layers of management in an airplane crash, Jeez. and it took them a while to recover from that. Uh, yeah, that's probably more than what you're expecting, but uh, certainly a board should have some sort of succession plan. And uh, it's the suddenness that I don't like uh, as an analyst. And but if it's if it's well planned out and well thought out, and especially if it's telegraphed to the market. Then yeah, I'm I'm cool with it. Jim Mueller, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.